This is Cassandra. And I'm Karami. And we're Too, Too Good, Good to, to Be True. And before we get into things here, um, I'm going to be leading this week, but Karami's got a little update on a case that we just recently covered, so she's going to go ahead and do that. Yay, update. So, my update is on Elizabeth Holmes, and if you've been listening, you know, we just recently did an episode on her a couple weeks ago. She was the founder of Theranos. She was um, saying that she made this device called the Edison device that could test blood with just a few pricks of blood without an actual blood draw. And as it turns out, the whole thing was fake and she faked demonstrations and everything. And um, she finally got her sentencing on November 18th. She had appealed and she'd asked for a new trial three different times, all of which were denied. And she's currently pregnant with her second child, which was announced in October. And there's speculation yeah. that, you know, that was done to prevent to jail prevent time. from going or, into jail Or to at least time. kind of yeah. knock it down a little bit to, right. to have the judge have some sympathy for her. Right. But also more than 100 people wrote letters to the judge asking for leniency, leniency including her partner, Billy Evans, other family members, and Tim Draper who was one of the earliest investors in Theranos. Right. He actually wrote a letter asking for leniency for her because he felt like she genuinely was, like, trying to make a difference to and make... wasn't trying to scam people. Good, I guess. I don't know. Her lawyer, Kevin Downey, insisted that she wasn't using the money to be greedy, but was instead putting the money back into her business, so the sentencing should be more lenient. Which, and okay. she didn't get the full, she could have gotten 20 years. Because right. she could have gotten 20 years for each charge, which she did. She was convicted of four charges, three of the wire um, fraud and one of the um, conspiracy to commit wire fraud. And she could have gotten four or sorry, 20 years for each of those. And it would have been served concurrently. So it would have just still been a max of 20 years. So she didn't quite get that. But Judge Edward Davila ultimately sentenced her to 11 years and three months in prison. So still a, That's a, still a good bit. Still a good stint in prison. Plus $400 in fines, which was $100 for each charge she was found guilty of. So I think she was originally facing like upwards of $250,000 in okay. restitution. But she's got these 400 in fines. Elizabeth says that she takes responsibility for Theranos, but she still doesn't take responsibility for the fraud. She's still trying to convince everyone <laughs> that this was all sunny. Okay. And he was, like, badgering her into doing this and right. manipulating her and being abusive. Elizabeth apologized to investors, employees, and consumers, stating, let me get out my Elizabeth voice here. <laughs> I loved Theranos. It was my life's work. The people I tried to get involved with Theranos were the people I loved and respected the most. I am devastated by my failings. I'm so, so sorry. I gave everything I had to build our company and to save our company. I regret my failings with every cell in my body. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. Sure. <laughs> fuck off, Elizabeth. Enjoy prison. I'm sure it's not going to be that bad. She's going to go. She's a white collar criminal. Oh, yeah. They're not She's going to go to minimum security. Like, you know. She's not going to be in with gang members bags, and stuff. You know. Uh, I'll have another update for everybody shortly because Sonny is set to be sentenced on December 7th. And as we remember, he was found guilty of all of the charges, all 12 of them. So I'm sure Good he's, Lord. yeah, I'm sure he's set to have a bigger prison oh, for sentence sure. than her. 
but we'll see you on the 7th and I'll update after that. And beyond that, we have another email that I'll read quickly. Yay! Yay! And the subject is case suggestions. And it says, hi, y'all. You mentioned a few episodes ago that you were open to case suggestions and rattled off a few that you were considering doing. I'd love to hear about Enron. I was very young when it happened, so I remember it being all over the news, but to this day, I don't really know what all the drama was about. Same, really. Same. I mean, I know I there was scam know and stuff it. going yeah. on, but in that they shredded documents, because I remember hearing uh-huh. about it on the bus and just being like, I don't care. I just want to hear some music on the bus on the way to school. Right, but- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At that time, we weren't really thinking about, you know, business. Yeah, I, I had no idea about any of this. I'd also love to hear your take on Bernie, Bernie Madoff and Jordan Belfort, a.k.a. the Wolf of Wall Street, and maybe even where the term Ponzi scheme came from, which I got that information. Yes. I'm assuming it's named after the first guy who came up with the scheme, but not really sure. And you're correct, but we can definitely dive into that at a later mm-hmm. point. I'm also curious about the 2008 financial collapse in the movie The Big Short. Not really sure if it falls under scams or if that's something you'd do, but it came to mind when you mentioned The Wolf of Wall Street, which we will talk later amongst ourselves about potentially offering bonus content, and that might be some of it. So it's a possibility. It could happen. Anyway, thanks again for all that you're doing. Keep up the great work. Love, your number one fan. She really is our number one fan. P.S. I'm in the process of moving right now and am avoiding scams left and right from people offering me very cheap moving quotes. I have your voices in the back of my head telling me that if it's too good to be true, it is. It is. So very it's good true. that we're helping raise awareness. I love that. Yeah. And and I love I love Kay. This is Kay the second is the time she's written us and this is great. And we're we definitely appreciate going you, Kay. Yeah, and we're definitely gonna take your suggestions. And, I mean, it, it's, it may not be right away because I'm a dork and I have everything I want to do scheduled yeah, out through, like, January. Yeah, she's got all out for a while. But that doesn't mean it's never going to happen. I'm definitely going to cover Bernie Madoff. I, I kind of, like, thought about it a bit when I was doing the Lou Pearlman Ponzi scheme stuff. So, yeah, I, that's definitely something I want to look into, and that's going to be coming up in the future. So Yeah, and then when I looked up like the whole Ponzi scheme thing and where it came from. I was like, well, that's interesting. So that might be something I do. And Ron, right. I'll probably do just because same as Kay. I'm just like, I have really no idea what actually right. happened. Yeah, and I am intrigued. So I'll probably do that. But if anybody else has any other suggestions or anything that you want to send us or any stories, like somebody tried to scam you, somebody did scam you or a family member or you're a banker, you know, you can always email us. We're happy to have it. It's too good to be true pod at outlook.com. And uh, back to Cassandra for our story this week. All right. So this week, I'm going to delve into a little bit of a story that I kind of just stumbled upon when I was trying to find some type of, you know, fraud discussion to have. And I just kind of thought this was interesting. And it's going to go into, you know... A little bit about um, all the COVID-19 relief that they were offering, you know, over the past couple years to, you know, individuals and businesses that were hit hard with, you know, closures and, um, you know, employees out of work and stuff during COVID-19. So we're going to delve into this. 
So the story that I found is about a man named Salwan Ajaj, born on November 17th, 1978. He is currently 44 years of age, but at the time of all of this going down, he was still 43, so... Because he just had a birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. He's a fellow Scorpio, just like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he is a former dentist from West Lynn, Oregon. Specifically an endodontist, which they do, like, they do more detailed things with like gums and tissue and stuff um I kind of had to look it up just so that I would have a bit of information about it so they examine diagnose and treat the nerve and dental tissue inside the tooth which I guess like in their industry or whatever they call it tooth pulp (laughs) which is like a weird gross yeah real gross so like blood vessels nerves and connective tissue So, like, he would be doing things like traumatic injuries, root canals, surgeries, dental implants, and administering anesthetics to patients who are resistant to numbing procedures. And he practiced in multiple cities in Oregon. The one place is called Clackamas, which I just, I don't know, I find that so funny. I don't know, it just sounds weird. Clackamas? Yeah. <laughs> is that I how you know. actually say it? Because that's great. Literally no idea. And then <laughs> Sherwood and Portland. His first practice was opened in 2006 in Sherwood. So that would put him at like practicing for about 14 years at the time of when, All you know, things started to go downhill for. Mr. Ajaj. <laughs> so, um, the, the first thing that happened was he went under a little bit of scrutiny in 2015 for not performing weekly tests of sanitation equipment at a practice he had in Sherwood, as well as another one in Portland. So that's like minor compared to what we get into here, but I mean, you know, prelude to what's to come i guess yeah so then what happens is he goes on to have his license suspended by the oregon board of dentistry in 2020 so he lost his license let me tell you why oh boy mr ajaj ordered or doctor i should say (laughs) ajaj ordered large quantities of controlled substances including anabolic steroids from domestic and international retailers for personal use and distribution. Why? To make money on the side, I guess. I don't know. What? Yes. And the Board of Dentistry in Oregon also alleged that from 2016 to 2020... He practiced dentistry under the influence of a controlled substance, which was not prescribed to him. According to the order for Ajaj's license suspension, the board received notice on August 5th, 2020, that Ajaj was practicing dentistry under the influence of mind-altering substances, while multiple bottles of prescription drugs were visible in his open personal backpack. Dude, what the hell? I don't know who the person was this guy's spiraling that uh you know noticed this and you know let the board know but 
probably an employee. Like, I, I would imagine assume, it would be, would like, one of his hygienists or something. We're like, dude, <laughs> no. And on the same day, the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office searched his dental office and home, finding multiple bottles of controlled substances, which Ajaj did not have a prescription for. In non-controlled prescription bottles, by the way. He admitted that day to distributing anabolic steroids for cash and purchasing and using diazepam, a sedative, without a prescription. I guess it is Valium. So that's great. The board's records did not specify which of Ajaz's practices some of the alleged offenses occurred at. So... Probably all of them. Just guessing. I mean, he, didn't, <laughs> he doesn't seem like he particularly... He doesn't seem like he cares too much, yeah. so I'm just And then we move into, you know, the fraud. <laughs> so, he was officially charged by a criminal complaint with wire fraud and aggravated identity theft on October 14th of 2021. He was charged with fraudulently obtaining nearly $8 million in COVID-19 relief funds. Holy shit! Yeah. Wait, it gets worse because that's just an estimate at the time that he was charged. It, it, ends, up, it ends up being higher. So. Oh my god. Yeah. And using the money for personal expenses. Like diaspora. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, could be, to get his volume on. So, I don't know. According to a press release from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Oregon, beginning in March 2021, he would submit dozens of fraudulent loan applications to the Small Business Administration. This was part of an attempt to obtain economic impact disaster loan funds, which were provided through the Federal Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act. And in case you didn't know, just a little bit of information, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or CARES, is a federal law enacted on March 29th of 2020 designed to provide emergency financial assistance to the millions of Americans who are suffering the economic effects caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. So, he's not directly, you know frauding people or stealing from people but indirectly well yeah he's still def- <laughs> you know what I he's mean? still defrauding like he's, because he's it's t- not like he's out like this, going to personal people and you know right but this money came them. from but somewhere this money this is taxpayer money it's taxpayer money and it's money that was set aside for people who really needed it during this difficult time right so no 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 we don't like that <laughs> no we don't <laughs> it's not nice So, here's how he did it. He used the names and employer identification numbers of fictitious businesses and and entities on the fraudulent EIDL applications. And he further provided false information about the business start dates, number of employees, locations, and identities of the, you know, applicants and business owners. So, he was just... Making it all up, basically. Well, okay, and I said I, I told you before we started that I was going to have some thoughts. And so I'll explain some of how he got away with that. Because okay. I was I was a CSR when all of COVID started and all of this happened. And the PPP 
which is basically this is what this is this right. ppp loan which that. ppp stands for paycheck protection program so it was like designed to to like give people money that they weren't getting because you know they weren't open for business and therefore they weren't making sales or doing services or whatever right and so they weren't getting paid so the government was providing these grants that they didn't have to pay back under this ppp program and i was in the trenches baby I was, I was, I was having to set up so many because the thing is when they get these PPP um, loans, they have to deposit it in, into a checking account somewhere. They have to deposit it into a checking account that has the same title as, As as the business that is applying for the loan. So the thing is that a lot of banks, and I'm not going to name any of them, but a lot of banks. We're not doing their due, due di- diligence, their due diligence yeah. when it came to these PPP loan applications because they were like, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Got to get them in there. We got right. go, 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 go. And I was sitting in my office how many times, like just taking anybody's word for whatever their business was. Right. They weren't even having us do. And I know I, I know I've explained this previously, but I'll recap it quickly again. The beneficial ownership and what beneficial ownership does is it tells the bank who's got an interest in this business, who owns at least 25% of this business that's going to profit off of whatever money this business makes. They want to know that, and they want to make sure that they've got the right people. And the thing is, they weren't even making these people for the PPP loans fill out beneficial ownership. No, they were not making them do it. No, I I was just supposed to slam, get them in there. I was not aware that they were not making people fill out beneficial ownership for those PPP loans. No, they weren't. They, I, I mean, I got, I got a good bit of them anyway because I was still handing them out and trying to follow the rules. But they were basically like, you get it, you open the account, you get the money in there, period. That's it. Because I think right. they were like, this isn't really our problem because this is a federal grant. Like, it's not coming from us. That's and if, and we'll if get they into end up that. getting that's caught, that's what they thought a lot of the problem was. The banks are just like, well, it's not our money. It's not our problem. So. You know, if they get caught, they get caught. Oops, not our problem. So yeah. that was how a lot of it was going down. And at the same time, a lot of that was going down. There was a lot of fraud where people were taking out unemployment in somebody else's name, and yeah, that's it was the getting other deposited thing that was into their. Going on at the time, yeah. Yes, and there was a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of it was shady and. Like I said, I was just in the trenches fighting for my life during all of this. So that's how they were kind of, if you're wondering how they were kind of sliding under the table with this stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, like I said, this included fictional employer identification numbers, false business start dates, employee counts, like numbers of employees, the actual locations and identities of the applicants so though he used other people's names he used his personal home address as the business mailing address on the applications what a turd i know what an idiot (laughs) and all of the applications were submitted online from an internet protocol or ip address associated with ajaj's dental practice so it's not like was being smart about this. He didn't really cover his <laughs> he, was just like, he was like, it's the internet. They'll never catch you. They'll never know. They'll never know. <laughs> Who's going to know? They'll Who's never know. know. They'll never know. <laughs> so, the Small Business Administration rejected most of the loan applications that he had filled out and submitted. 
So then he allegedly, I'm going to say allegedly because at this time that's how it was, pivoted his focus to the PPP program and the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, which provides economic relief, relief to businesses in the food and drink industry. Well, how's he in the food and drink industry? Is he like, hey, your because, teeth help you eat, so... Because he's a liar. He's a liar. Because <laughs> <So. laughs> he's a lying. He's a liar. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth of it. So that fund aimed at helping bars and restaurants forced to close during the pandemic was part of the American Rescue Plan Act. And in May 2021, he submitted three RRF applications for restaurants allegedly located in Sarasota, Miami, and Daytona Beach, Florida. Why there? <laughs> I don't know why there, but, well, you know what? I kind of do, because we'll get into that in a bit. But, like his fraudulent previous applications, these applications contained false business information and all listed his personal residence as the business mailing address. So, once again, he's just making this shit up, you know? He's just... He's just making it up as he goes. He doesn't know. Nobody's He's just gonna like, catch I own me. this business and this business. Like, I have to wonder how many drugs he was hopped up know. on when he came I'm up with this like, scheme. I don't know. He popped a volume and was like, you know what? Well, you know what, idea? though? He was using different names, so it's like, you'd think they'd realize eventually, like, oh, all these businesses owned by these different people have this same address. But the thing like, is, I that really doesn't trigger anything, I to guess, be honest with you, because I typically will see people have, like... 15 different things going on all at the same address like i'm not right. gonna name any of them because that would be against, against confidentiality yeah. but i do see do, do you remember when i told you that one address in bethlehem do you remember oh when yeah I, do you remember my god there was like 15 so different many offices located in, there. in that building yeah. yeah i guess it's plausible i guess the u.s Attorney's office noted these applications were more successful than the ones he submitted to the SBA, and he was able to obtain nearly $8 million in government relief funds. So, at the time when this information was released, it was December, and he had been arrested the day before, which was December 14th, um, for violating pretrial release agreements. Because I guess when he was charged with all of this, he was released on his own, like, recognizance, recognizance or whatever. But then he violated things that he was, you know, not supposed to do, not supposed to do. So he was arrested on December 14th for violating those things. And then the next day he received an order stating that he would be detained pending further court proceedings. So. Doofus. Yeah, he's just an idiot all around. <laughs> honestly. And from there we go to him being in court. So, in September of 2022, on the 13th of September to be exact, he pled guilty in federal court for fraudulently converting to his personal use nearly 11.5 million. Jesus. Which is substantially more than, it's a bit more than what they had originally stated. 
quite a bit more. Yeah. I mean, that's almost, it's almost like 150% to 11.5 million in loans intended to help, you know, those small businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. And he pled guilty to wire fraud and aggravated identity theft. Because, you know, he was using false names and all that. Yeah, and ripping off other people's EINs, and you cannot do that. You cannot do that. Don't even try. Don't do that. So, yeah. His fraudulent applications caused the SBA to pay out more than 11.5 in loans, grants, and associated lender fees, like we said. And... According to court documents, beginning no later than September 2020 and continuing till at least May 2021, that's when he submitted all these dozens of fraudulent loan applications, you know, in an attempt to, you know, steal these funds and just use them for his personal use. So, then in July of 2022, on a separate criminal case... Previous to this, he had already pled guilty to illegally distributing those controlled substances that he had gotten in trouble for. He had previously, in that separate criminal case on July 13, 2022, pled guilty to illegally distributing controlled substances, including thousands of pills and prescription drugs and anabolic steroids. He further admitted to using his position as a dentist to obtain some of the drugs he illegally distributed. Sir, <laughs> I know. It's it's rare that I'm speechless, but, like, I don't even have words. Like, what the fuck, man? He's all around just a great guy, right? He's a character, that's for sure. <laughs> so, he could be sentenced. The sentencing hasn't happened yet but he could be sentenced to a maximum of 22 years in prison, receive a $250,000 fine, and three years of supervised release for his COVID-19 relief fraud case. And for his drug-related offenses, he faces a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison, a $500,000 fine, and three years of supervised release. He's going to jail for a long time. For a long time. For sure. He's going to jail for a long time. According to this, he will be sentenced in both cases together Mm -hmm. on December 6th of 2022. Oh, wow. So we'll have an update on him and Sonny. So there will be an update on him shortly. And that's going to be by the U.S. District Court Judge Michael W. Mosman. And according to the information that I found, this case was investigated by the U.S. Treasury Inspector General. For Tax Administration, the SBA Office of Inspector General, the U.S. Secret Service, and the FBI. And it said that the Assistant U.S. Attorney Ryan W. Bounds was prosecuting the case. Another thing that I found to be interesting, to be honest, was in my search, I found on record, because it's public records, whatever, Mm -hmm. He had a 2017 Maserati that was seized on the 5th of August, 2020, which is when they came to investigate all that stuff about the drugs. A Maserati? Yeah. Is that even, like, appropriate for Portland weather? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I just found 
it to be interesting. I thought it was an interesting tidbit of information. Well, you know, he doesn't have that anymore, and he's going, he's going to be, you know, straight to jail. Straight, straight, to, jail. straight to jail. <laughs> I mean, I just thought that was funny. And, I mean, it was public record, so I was able to see it and find it. So, anyway, as part of his plea agreement, Ajaj has agreed to pay no less than $10.5 million in restitution to SBA and his victim lenders. And that makes me wonder, like, does he still have it? Like, did he, you, you know, you never know. Like, did he spend all thing. this money or wire it, you know, overseas trying to, you know, outsmart everybody? Or is he going to be lucky and he still has this 11 million chilling somewhere and he can be like, yeah, here, here it is back. Here it is. <laughs> Sorry. Who the hell knows? My bad. Honestly, here you go. I don't know. And the funny thing is, okay, in my research of, you know, looking up this man and his case once I, you know, stumbled upon it, I found so many other cases of people doing things, you know, as we said, because it was easy to do in the beginning of this whole pandemic. And funnily enough, I found one who was just, you know, he just pled guilty in a couple days ago on November 17th of 2020. And this guy is from Plano, Texas. November 17th of 2020? 2022. Sorry. I apologize if I did misspeak. It was 2022. I was like, wait. Just the other, (laughs) just the other day. Just the other day, a couple years ago. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was 2022. And this guy's Brian B-U, B-U, I don't know how you say this. B-U-I is his last name. Oh, he was also a dentist. So, you know. What the dentist being? I don't know. Well, you know, we had that dentist here in town. That That's true. And he just, like, up and took off. He peaced out. Like, he was gone. Like, whatever happened. That he was, was a wild story. He was story. fully in business. Completely fine. Like, yeah. people still had appointments with him. And then out of nowhere, and the dude was just gone. Just out. gone. And yeah. everybody was, like, thinking he's in Colombia now. Like. I've heard a lot of things, but I don't know. Like, bro. I think it's all just speculation. That's what the knows? dentist. Yeah. I'm already not a dentist person. P.S. I'm already scared of dentists. He also owed our bank money. <laughs> yes, he did. And that's how we so, came across all of that, yeah. like, w- what happened with him. Yeah. Because he just disappeared. He didn't tell, well, and here's the thing. From what I heard, he didn't tell his employees. He no, didn't he tell, didn't. He's, he he didn't literally tell, just left town. Yeah, the man he rents off of. Didn't know. Is also one of our business customers or customers. And he didn't know. He had no he idea. Tell anybody. He just this guy just disappeared and his dentistry sign was still in the lawn. Yeah, people had appointments. They were showing up. They were like, where is he? He wasn't there. Craziness. Anyway, so this guy, this other guy in Plano, Texas, used his denti- dentistry business to obtain at least two PPP loans by submitting material falsely, Fabricating supporting documentation and lying about the number of employees and monthly payroll expenses. Why do they all think that none of this is going to catch up to them? I really don't know. And as a result of his conduct, he obtained approximately $1.89 million in forgivable loans by the SBA granted to him under the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act that CARES that I was talking about before. And it says he used the funds in a manner not authorized by the program, including for non-business personal investments. So, similar story, same thing. And he faces up to 30 years in federal prison. So, 
It's like they don't understand. That's, you have it's to, serious business. You gotta show the receipts, okay, guys? Yeah. If you're thinking about this, if this ever happens again and you're like, haha, I'm gonna get a loan. No. Because right. you may get the loan and think, ooh, I got away with it. But you have to prove that you used all of the money that you got for your business. For your business. You have to, because I remember explaining that to yeah. um, the, the pizza shop owner. Because he was asking me, like, different, can I spend it on this? Can I spend it on this? Can I do this with it? And I was like, no. You it has, have to, to, it has to go to the business. Stuff for the and business. And because he was under the impression that it had to go strictly to paychecks because it was called the Paycheck Protection Program. He's like, well, right. do I own, can I only write checks to my employees? But no, I mean, you could use it to do repairs. You could use it to pay your utilities, your rent. You know, if you're renting your business right. location, your mortgage whatever if you got a commercial mortgage or whatever on it but you have to prove that you use it for the business for the and business. they are going to follow up with you and if oh, you yeah. tell them that you've got 20 employees and you really only have three somebody's gonna ask somebody's some questions. gonna have questions at some point because they're going to follow up on this information mm-hmm. that's the thing and people don't realize you know they just think oh i can just do this and they think because it was an easy application that they filed through the internet that that's all it's ever that's gonna all be. it's ever gonna be no yeah so, yeah, a sentencing hearing for this guy will be scheduled after the completion of a investigation by the U.S. Probation Office. And it also says that this case is being investigated by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, so the FBI, yes. which was also involved in the other case as well. So I think they're involved in a lot of these you know. Oh, they probably have an entire task cases. force devoted oh, to oh, it. Oh, I'm sure. And that's what I did find out eventually that um, this is a little other bit of tidbit of information that I did find that was on May 17, 2021 the Attorney General established COVID-19 Fraud Enforcement Task Force. Mm-hmm. So um, they have a whole task force set up solely to, you know, catch you. Find these people, investigate it. get you. it's crazy huh so they you know the task force investigates and prosecuted prosecute the most culpable domestic and international criminal actors and assist agencies tasked with administering relief programs to prevent fraud it says by among other methods augmenting and incorporating existing coordination mechanism identifying resources and techniques to uncover fraudulent actors and their schemes and sharing and harnessing <laughs> information and insights gained from prior enforcement efforts so do you want to plain english break that down for people <laughs> well <laughs> basically they're going to you know, use their resources to look into these applications. They're going to look into the, um, they're going to try to find the, you know, people that supposedly, you know, filled out these applications so that they can figure out when there are false, you know, yeah actors or you know businesses being involved in these they're going to investigate and see if those places are real or not it's going to take years i'm sure it's going to take forever i'm sure they're gonna there's still going to be 10 years from now we're going to be hearing about fraud cases that are going on that they just got to it's going to be insane it's probably going to take literally forever i can only imagine so then i went kind of down a rabbit hole because i was like you know what 
<laughs> I need more. I need more information about this because I need to know. So I found an article that was dated March 28th of 2022 that went into further detail about these, you know, fraud cases that are, you know, there's many of them and they're going to be investigated and they're looking for the perpetrators of these things and trying to figure out what they can do after the fact because according to this, they are calling this the largest fraud in U.S. history. I mean, did they think it wasn't <laughs> going to be? I, did they know, really think that they were going to advertise to do a simple application free money. <laughs> online and we'll give Here. you this money that you never have to pay back and they thought people right. were not going to attempt to take advantage of that? They I were kidding themselves if they did I knew it was so. going to end up like this. Because didn't I say when they first started doing this, I was like, oh, my right. God, so many people are going to go to jail. And here we oh, are. Oh, yeah, and here we are. So, according to this, it's saying the theft of hundreds of billions of dollars in taxpayer money intended to help those harmed by the coronavirus pandemic was obviously taken by these fraudsters because these people couldn't resist purchasing, you know, Fancy items like luxury automobiles, mansions, private jet flights, and swanky vacations. It was just too good to pass up, I guess, for those who are, you know, well, like likely these, fraudsters. Yeah, like these people, they they get they see one thing and they're like, they immediately are like, I can totally get away with this. It was it's the same as that um that one random day that DoorDash was not um charging people for things for whatever reason there that was a happened. glitch. Yes, that, that happened thing. very recently actually. <laughs> DoorDash had a whole glitch where anything anybody purchased, they were getting the orders, but it wasn't transferring to actually charge them. them. It was not coming out of their bank accounts. So people were going nuts. They were going hard on this. They were ordering flat screen TVs to be delivered to their houses. Somebody oh my ordered, gosh. Somebody ordered like ninety. Somebody ordered like ninety thousand dollars or some shit like that in like um top shelf liquors. Holy shit. And then when they all got charged for them, days later, when DoorDash corrected the error, all these people were like 70 grand in the hole. In the hole. And it was like stuff they can't really return wow. because it was like liquors That's and like crazy. perishable goods. And somebody, somebody went nuts and ordered like a ton of like lobster and like crawfish and shit. What? Why? Because they think they can get away with it. They see one thing and they see one person saying, hey, I got away with this. And they just jump on it and then it all backfires. And they just never think that that's going to happen to them. Yeah. They're saying that a lot of people participated in what experts say is the theft of as much as as $80 Or about 10% of the $800 that they handed out in COVID relief. Wow. Yeah. For the PPP loans. Yeah. And we're going to be hearing about this, like I said, for yeah. years. And there, and, you know, it's just crazy. This guy, uh, Matthew Schneider, said he's a former U.S. attorney from Michigan. He said, nothing like this has ever happened before. It is the biggest fraud in a generation. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Sounds like it. So, yeah, they they interviewed quite a few people during this, and it's just, it is a it is a time. So, there was a Justice Department Inspector General Michael Michael Horowitz, 
who oversees the COVID relief spending, and he told Lester Holt from the NBC Nightly News. I love Lester Holt. Do you really? Yes. In an exclusive interview that COVID relief programs were structured in ways that made them ripe for plunder. <laughs> That's the way he worded it, I guess. Good old Michael Horowitz. So the SBA, in sending that money out, basically said to people, this is the words that he put it in, apply and sign and tell us that you're really entitled to the money. And of course, for fraudsters, that's an invitation. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> what didn't happen was even minimal checks to make sure that the money was getting to the right people at the right time. That's what I said. <laughs> They're not doing their due diligence, diligence. at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know... And they said that the looting of the PPP loans was far more lucrative than any of the other <laughs> things going on. I mean, there was many multiple different programs you could scam, but that was the worst. It was bad, the worst, yeah. The it worst. Was, I remember taking some of the, the, like, applications and stuff and just being like, are you sure, bro? Are you sure you want to do this? And like Karami explained before, they have a little blip here about you know how it works the program it says the program authorized banks and other financial institutions to make government-backed loans to businesses loans that were to be forgiven if the company spent the money on business expenses so nearly 10 million such loans have already been forgiven many of the loans turned grants were for millions of dollars and yeah. that's public so, like the way so, the the forgiveness the way it's going is um they're basically being put on, like, as regular loans for the most part. Okay. But, like, they're not, they don't have any, like, repayment um, stuff set up or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then as they come in, they're, the government is sending the money directly to the banks. And they come into our, um, our federal GO. Okay. And then we will pull it from there, pay, you know, pay off the loan and then close it. And that's. And then that's it. And that's it's it. Done. Yeah. Yeah, I had I'd seen a little bit about that because as soon as they use those funds, then that account is just fully closed, and that's that's it. Yeah, the, it's, not, it's, not it. yeah it's, it's not. It's something, not something. It's solely to be used for the PPP. Right, the PPP funds go in there, and then they, you know, get like a cashier's check written out to them, or it's deposited directly into their and checking account, it. and then that's the end of their like right involvement with the actual loan itself other than to file whatever paperwork they need for the forgiveness and then it comes in like i said it's wired to us through our federal um general ledger account and they right. all will say like they say like ppp forgiveness and then like the business name or whatever and then uh -huh. it just we manually apply it to the loan and close it out and close and it's it just out. done as like a payoff wow interesting so Experts say millions of borrowers inflated their numbers of employees or created companies out of whole cloth, which, you know, is what we saw scammy scamster <laughs> Dr. Ajaj doing. So for much of 2020, lenders did little to verify the applications. And experts say in part because Congress required the Small Business Administration, or SBA, which ran the program to issue explicit guidance that in the interest of getting the money out fast, lenders will be held harmless for borrowers, fa borrowers' failure to comply with program criteria. So basically, it's on 
It's on them. The customer. It's on them or whatever. Yeah, it's not on the bank. It's not on the bank. The banks it's, weren't yeah, liable. It was never our job to provide the money. It was never our job to collect the money. Nothing like that. We we basically were just the vessel for it right. to come into and they could have it then. And apparently, the Government Accountability Office warned of fraud risk, but the program continued under that rule. So here we are, y'all. <laughs> <sighs> That's all I got to say. Okay. <laughs> I just hope to God that we don't ever do this again because I, know, right? I don't want to be the one that's responsible for having to book all of these loans because... Now that I'm in my new position, Mm -hmm. like CSR was annoying as it was because I was in charge of running the branch. I was in charge of also being a teller. I was in charge of taking care of everything, the vault, the ATM. I did all the, you know, what we call chores. Chores. Every day. It's a lot. And then I was in charge of my regular CSR duties, like opening, you know, personal accounts and whatnot and regular business accounts. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, it was like I was just slammed weekly with these goddamn PPPs and having to set up checking accounts so that they would have somewhere to put it. And -hmm. all the while, I wasn't allowed to have any actual contact with with these customers because it was COVID. And so we were doing the whole stupid, I set everything up and then they drive up and I run outside outside and have them sign these documents like... I don't know how they didn't think any of that was going to end up being an issue. Like, I don't know how they had such tunnel vision that they were like, this is going to be great. It's going to be perfect. Yeah. Nothing will go wrong. The COVID times at banks were a nightmare. Was insane. It was not a fun time. And we didn't get the appreciation that that everybody else. other people did. Yeah, we were kind of salty about that. Because, like, we were there every day in person handling the dirtiest thing that you have, which is your cash. And we were helping facilitate PPP loans and stimulus checks. And everybody was like, fuck bankers. We hate bankers. And giving out thousands of dollars in unemployment to people. Like, we were having to order extra money. Yeah, it was It was was wild. it was a wild, wild time. Times. It was like it a wild, really wild west out there. It really and was. It, the amount of, of abuse that we also took, because I had that one guy oh, yeah. that was trying to come in, and I was trying to explain to him, and I was like, you cannot come in. Like, well, our right. lobby is closed. Mm-hmm. You physically cannot come in. You have to go through the drive through or you may wait out here, and I will come out and meet you in the parking lot. And he was, like, carrying on so much. It was wild That times. I genuinely, like, was a little scared, and I looked at him, and I said, do you see what you're doing? I was like, do you see me? Do you, I'm a five foot tall, small woman. And you look like you're going to hit me. Yeah. Do you see what you're doing? And he was like, oh, fuck you. And I was like, you know what? Leave or I'm calling the cops. Like, it was a As whole thing. Should. It was a whole thing. Because it was during that period of time where they were splitting us into teams or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't and on your team. So yeah, I wouldn't have known anything. Yeah. And, and you were on um, our branch manager's team. And mm-hmm. I ended up having to call our branch manager that day and explain the because situation, of that whole situation. Because of that man. And she was like, absolutely. She's like, if he even turns around anything at all, he comes back, you call the cops immediately. She's like, I'm not putting up with that. Yeah. I had a person try to push their way in the one time. And I was like, Sir, excuse me, like, he had his foot, like, on the door, <laughs> and he's, like, holding it open, and I was like, I can bring you everything you need right here, you don't get Yeah, gotta, and I got, like, you know, and I got some hate, too, when I posted on Reddit about, like, in the scam group, how they're giving misinformation on mm-hmm. some things, and I was like, listen, as a banker, you know, I'm seeing some misinformation floating around here, and, like, 
the hate I got from those people telling me that I myself was a scammer or that I was giving incorrect information or there's no way I worked for a bank. It was insane. It was and you're nuts. just trying and to like, help I, people. I want people to understand that that is what we're doing. We're trying to help people. Mm-hmm. That we are trying to prevent this kind of stuff from happening. We're trying to, you know, safeguard your assets and everything. Right. We're not the bad guys. We're okay? definitely not I the bad guys. I understand if you hate the CEOs and the Wall Street bros and the people that are, like, driving up interest rates and stuff like that. But we are right. not those people. We are not those people. We're just like you. We're just people We're who just are working a regular day job who are trying our best to do the, the best at our line, job. line, you know, that... And we're the ones that take the brunt of the... The abuse. And it was true. nuts. And this whole, this whole PPP period and the whole COVID thing was, like... I feel like it kind of may kind of like make or break a lot of people. Like a lot oh, of people either definitely. decided that they were done with the banking industry and they left in droves. And right. then there are those of us that like kind of hunkered down and yeah. like, no, and I don't, we're I doing don't, this. I don't know how every bank ran, but our bank never shut down not once Mm-mm. during COVID. No, nope. we were open the entire time. We just ran on teams to safeguard yeah, so if one of us got people. sick, then they didn't immediately transfer maintain. it to everybody yeah. else. They only transferred it to their team, and we right. might have to close up for a day or two. We wouldn't have to completely two, but... close down. So we were trying to do things in order to still be there for our customers mm-hmm. and provide the best, you know, customer service that we could under those circumstances. Do you know what I mean? And it's like people didn't even get it. They were just so rude. A lot of them. Not everyone, but I'm just saying. As I previously stated, the government spent approximately $800 billion and provided $21 million loans to individuals. And no one is, sh- is sure exactly how much was stolen, but an academic paper released last year estimated at least $76 billion in potential fraud. And they're saying that's conservative. So, like I said, they were saying it's probably upwards more of $80 billion, which is, like, close to 10% of what wow. the total was. Because they're saying that's probably just the tip of the iceberg, you know? And the SBA's Inspector General has identified $78.1 billion in potentially fraudulent economic in- injury disaster loans, another COVID relief program. So, this is, like, a separate... Wow. COVID relief program. Wow. And the Secret Service has its own estimate of $100 billion. So who's to say? No one really knows how deep this goes. Yeah, it's going to be you a know? long time before they it's all gonna have It's going to be a long time out. coming before they know the totals of all of this. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of info for the time being. Um, there is this individual, Haywood Talcov, the CEO of the government at LexisNexis Risk Solutions, which works with the government to verify identities. And he said that the basic scheme was really simple. People went on state websites, took the names of existing businesses, or registered new fake ones. He said there's there's absolutely no security on there. There's no validation of any of the information. And it's like, voila, you have company ABC with 40 employees and a payroll of $10 million, and you go and apply for a PPP loan. It was a piece of cake. That's, yeah. It's, Sounds like it. That's how he explained it. So, 
I, it was as easy as that, I guess. And to find more cases, the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee is employing data scientists who use artificial intelligence to plow through 150 million records searching for fraud patterns. In one case, it found that a phone number for a gas station in Houston was used on 150 loan applications. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mind-blowing, I know. I wonder if those 150 all came from the same person to use the same phone number, if there were just that many people that that were like, gas station. No one will check this. And then it sends such leads to federal agents who follow up on foot. So, you know, it kind of goes down. And that's more of our taxpayer money wasted to pay them to to trace all over the country trying to figure out what went where. And at the time, and this is why I'm saying maybe this is why this guy chose Florida as his, you know, place to have his fake businesses. At the time, apparently, one of the centers of the fraud was in Miami. Oh. I don't know why, specifically, but... um, this U.S. attorney in the Southern District of Florida, Juan Gonzalez, said that unlike with unemployment relief, which went to every person who qualified, lenders had to stop making PPP loans when the money ran out, which we know because we worked at banks. Mm-hmm. And they were only allotted so much. Right. And then once, how it, worked. once, it, and once it ran out, it ran its out. max, we had to tell so, people, like an announcement was made, like, hey, there's there's, no we're luck. not accepting any more applications. So he said the fraud didn't harm just the taxpayers. It hurt people who needed the money, which is what we were saying. Like, it's that's the sad part. So he said the public, he said, should be very angry because this is not only billions of taxpayer dollars that has been stripped from them, but, you know. Maybe the little family restaurant down the street that really needed this money didn't get it because somebody claimed it under their name. Or they got to yeah. it before they could, and they weren't accepting any more applications. Yeah, he said. I remember they should be the people um, that are more angry. Is the people who did lose their jobs and who worked for businesses that couldn't apply for this money because it was gone. Right. Well, that's what happened to um, when I was briefly working, not just for the bank, but I was doing the bank cleaning. Oh for, yeah, for, for those guys. Yeah. That's what happened to them. Was that by the time they put in an application? They weren't accepting any more applications. They had to wait for the next round Round. and hurry up and get it in because of all these fuckers that were stealing the money. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what this really hurt is it hurt those actual small businesses who were shut down or out of work or, you know, their, you know, employees were out of work, you know, and it's unfortunate. It's sad. Why? So these people could just go have a good time or whatever with this money. Who knows what they were using it for? Well, Dr. Ajaj was obviously using it for drugs. Yeah, he was <laughs> no. He was supplying drugs to the whole, you know. And I imagine that being a dentist, and not only a dentist, but a specialty dentist that focuses on nerves and... Mm-hmm. and it was probably easy for him to... Well, the, I mean, the, he's... He, dude, had to be making money anyway. He had to be he had anyway. to be making a lot of money anyway and then to be turning around and stealing millions of dollars from people who desperately needed it because why because he was greedy it's sad so you know gonzalez you know in florida says that you know those are really the ones who should be the angriest of all is those people who basically got left in the lurch because they 
the money was gone and they could not apply for these loans that they really needed. And he said he has seen a lot of fraud in Florida, including billions pilfered every year from the federal Medicare program, which is a whole nother, you know. But never has so much been stolen so quickly, he said. Wow. He said, I have a hard time imagining when so much money has gone so quickly into the hands of people who don't deserve it. And it's just sad, you know? It really is, <laughs> it yeah. It really is. According to this, across the country, only 178 people have been convicted so far in PPP fraud cases. And now this was in March, so there could be more. I don't know by this point. Yeah, but, but it's going to be slow going because it's going to be a lot of investigating to figure out who did what, where, when, what happened to it after they got it. Right. Kind of stuff. So, like I was saying, it's going to be years and years and years So and that's years. not that many. That's probably only the tip of the iceberg. Oh, 178 yeah. people is not many. So. Oh, for sure. Because uh, the majority of them didn't steal millions and billions of dollars. The majority of them took, like, 10000 here, 20000 there, 15000 Right. You know, so even catching 178 that maybe did ten grand a piece... That really is just the very tip of that iceberg. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so the Justice Department is saying, like, many more prosecutions are coming. But even if the numbers reach 2,000 or even 20,000, it will only be a small fraction of the fraud even then. Still. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's how far this reaches. So many government officials, including Gonzalez, say that because the government was trying to respond quickly during the pandemic... A conscious decision was made to make the application process as smooth as possible, even at the expense of thorough vetting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> That's just, I guess, what happened. Mm -hmm. So he went on to say, you have government releasing a lot of money as quickly as possible into the hands of people who really need it. As usually happens, the faster the money needs to go out the less likely there are to be the appropriate checks in place to make sure the people who don't deserve that money don't get it which is exactly what happened right and he said what surprised him the most was just how blatant it was how individuals would just go ahead and lie on these applications a lot of them were lying and then bragging about it on social media right they would just get the money then go ahead and just openly spend it or like you said just blatantly showing it mm -hmm. on their social media or just talking about it. Yeah. Thinking that they're going to do that without anybody checking up on it because that's what these people are thinking. They're thinking, like you said, the application process was so easy that there are going to be no checks on this, but ha-ha, they're off. Guess what? There are consequences. Guess what? Straight to jail. <laughs> Straight to jail. He also added that some fraud is inevitable. That's the price that the government was willing to pay to get the money as quickly as possible into the hands of those that really needed it. As for the lenders, he said, perhaps because it was not their money that was on the line, some of these institutions didn't do the type of diligence they should have, just like we were saying. And that other man that I was talking about before, Tau Cove, whose company maintains the huge databases of public records and self-verifies verification services to the government says the government and the lenders and banks could and should have prevented such widespread fraud. He's a douchebag. <laughs> Just saying. And when COVID relief was proposed, he said he spoke to Larry Kudlow, then a top economic advisor to President Donald Trump. He's like, I explained to him that this was going to be the biggest fraud in the history of our country. And then I was told 
that you can have speed or you can have security and that they'd rather just get the money out. <laughs> no. And you know, and what have I always told all of you, even though I'm no longer your supervisor or whatever, I've always said accuracy is more, more important, important than speed. Than the speed. <laughs> Definitely when you're dealing with people's money. So he said when COVID relief was proposed, he, like I said, he explained to him that it was going to be the biggest fraud in the history of our country. Then he told him that banks have, he told him, this cudlow guy that worked for President Trump, that the banks have the ability to rapidly identify their customers. Not no, the this, fuck we don't. Not in this pandemic situation. No, we don't. We don't have the ability to rapidly identify anybody anyway. Like, it's with the, do you think I'm sitting there with, like, a fake ID checker? No. Yeah, I don't know. I just take what you give me. It's more not or less. Or. <laughs> it's more or less about knowing your customers. But in the case with these PPP loans, there's people coming out of the These are brand new customers. Yeah, like people that did not of. have yeah. accounts with us existing and... We just had to take so them at their word. You had to take them at their word. And that's why I'm like, okay, well, this guy's an idiot. And then the Kudlow guy didn't respond for to request for comment. The guy that, you know, was the economic well, advisor to Trump. But an official who works on COVID relief and wasn't authorized to speak publicly acknowledged that Talcove is correct. In the early stages of the loan program, he said there were few controls and it didn't have to be that way. No, it didn't, because I was even questioning it. If you remember, I was like, why are we doing this? Why yeah. are we not making these people fill out the proper forms? He said he agrees that the said notion that you had to sacrifice certainty for speed is categorically false. Because you can do both. To a certain degree. I mean, here's my thing. During COVID, things were a little bit different, though. That's the thing. It's like we were dealing with people not face-to-face, like mm-hmm. you were saying before. Also, like I said, new people. New people that we'd never seen like, before. Like, there were people that had applied for PPP loans, and they got so approved, like, but they were told, you have to have a checking saying, account. But I also, as being a frontline bank worker, see that some things are not as clear-cut as they think. It's, and what does know your not, customer have anything to do with it? Because we do know them, the ones that are regulars. Of course we know them. But if one of them fraudulently applies for a PPP loan and they get approved, what are we supposed to do about that? Yeah, we don't even... We don't know. Maybe Johnny Smith down the street does have some kind right. of Etsy crafting business How in his house. How do you know? How the hell would How we do know that? Yeah, it's not like you're following them home. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like... There's a certain degree, like a level of, you know, know trust. Your, yeah, know your customer know your only goes so far. Also, there is a certain level of trust you have to have. And the thing is, in this case, there was a lot of people, like you said, coming out of the woodwork that you didn't really know. Yeah. You know? And, and what I think, were we supposed to do? Like, I wasn't allowed to just be like, no. I think the whole thing <laughs> was just kind of a mess, you know? It was kind of a mess. So... And this will be linked in our show notes. Um, I do have um, a hotline for the Department of Justice's National Center for Disaster Fraud where you can report anything that you happen to... Be a snitch! Be a snitch! (laughs) Anything you happen to know Snitches get the bitches. (laughs) Snitches get the bitches. Or have heard or, you know, anything. 
And there's also a web complaint form on the internet. So we will leave those linked in our show notes if you want to be a snitch, okay? Yeah. <laughs> at this one time, we, we're we for it. I'm for this. Yeah, because this, this is, is our taxpayer case. dollars that they've stolen. And these are our mom and pop shops that they put out of business. So, yeah, snitch. It's, it's, it's total bullshit, honestly. What a mess. So, do we have anything else? No, I mean, we'll go over our regular stuff, you know. Um, subscribe, rate, and review. I mean, the more people that look at our uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening, and they see that we've got a high rating, they're going to be more inclined to listen to us. So, by all means, if you like our show, rate and review, rate us. And review us. Tell your friends. Share it on Five social stars. media. We've got social media pages you can also follow. Um, Too Good to Be True podcast on Facebook. We're on TikTok and Instagram as Too Good to Be True Pod. If you want to email us with suggestions like Kay did, we love you, Kay. We love you, Kay. Um, Or stories or um, if you're a banker and you want to talk about anything or if you've got questions that you want answered live on the show, just send us an email, Too Good to Be True Pod at Outlook.com. Uh, if you want to provide us with a little bit of feedback, but you don't feel like writing a review or sending us an email, there's a short four-question survey in the show notes that you can take. If you'd like to support us monetarily, you know, tip us like you would a barista or whatever, you can do that as well. There's a little support button. Oh, there's a fun new button as well. You can actually leave us a voice note if you go to our main page oh, on wow, anchor.fm slash cool. too good to be true. You can click this little button to message us, and you can record a voice note to tell us whatever the hell whatever you want to tell us. And you can tell us if you want us to put it on the show or not. We can even put you right on the show. So Very cool. You can send us a DM on any of our social media. You can follow us. You can interact with us on our posts, you know, episode discussion. You can send us an email. You can do the survey. You can support us. There's all kinds of ways you can interact with us, and we want you to do it. And... Like I said, we're also going to talk a little bit later on about potentially starting up just a subscription where all of our regular episodes will still be our regular episodes and they'll still be free and ad free and they're going to stay the same. But we might end up doing special um, like reviews of maybe TV shows, books, movies, whatever. It'll still be scam related because, of course, we want you to be interested in what we're talking about. And this is what you came for. Right. But... (laughs) We might do stuff like that. We and, thought that would be something yeah, fun. Yeah, and you could maybe pay like a dollar a month or something like that and get a little extra content, and mm-hmm. it would help us to soundproof better, get better equipment. Maybe Grow we our could, channel. Yeah, maybe yeah. we could actually get like better recording equipment even, you know, with right. the money. So if you feel like doing it, go for it. If not, we're still really grateful that you care enough to listen to us we rattle on do. week after week. <laughs> but as always, if it seems, seems too, too good, good to be, to be true... true it is. Katie, I cannot believe you. I just... I know. What is your problem? Nice fresh smell of poo. Because she... Okay, so this morning, like I said, she's been sassy all day. Like, she just woke up. And switched the sass switch on. Because she woke up. She's running around the room like a psycho. And then as I'm walking to my closet to pull something out to get dressed, she's walking behind me swatting at my legs. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, leave me alone. I'm trying to get ready for work. So I go and, 
usually my process is I go in, I go to the bathroom, like I pee, and then I fix my hair, and then I come back, and I sit down, and I put my makeup on, and then I get dressed, and so she follows me every morning to the bathroom, like, that's the routine, the second we get up, we gotta go to the bathroom, so she's impatiently like, let's go, 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 and I'm like, okay, fine, let's go, I take her in there, and she's attacking this piece of spackling that she found on the floor, because, you know, why not? And because so, she can. yeah, so I swept that up, which I'm sure she's not thrilled with, but, you know, don't want dirt on the floor. So she had that. And then we come back in and I'm changing into my work clothes and she took my underwear after <laughs> I took them off and she took off with them. <laughs> I, like, what's happening? Katie. Like, <laughs> Why are you hoarding underwear? <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was weird. She used to take my socks and, like, hide them under the bed. Oh, yeah. And then she did have a couple pairs of underwear at one point. But, like, now I'm way better at just putting them directly into, into the, the hamper, hamper so that yeah. she will not do that. But she thought she was stealthy this morning, that's for sure. She's like, and I'm taking these. <laughs> <laughs> She's the guy in uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. I'm confiscating this. <laughs> me a second get the fuck away from me <laughs> girly what is the yes. matter with you today she is spicy today please please go away oh my god oh my god i was gonna say did you add go away, away. <laughs> she wants to play <laughs> oh my god Today. To stop! I need your attention now, ma'am. I love you, but you have to stop. Please find something else to do. Good lord. All right.